The information provided on this podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general informational purposes only. Welcome to Rights Here, Rights Now, the podcast about disability, advocacy, and activism. I'm your advocate host, Ren Fazuski. And I'm your advocate host, Virginia Ferris. Every two weeks, we dig into relevant issues, current events, and avenues for self-advocacy. Because someone has to. And it might as well be us. This podcast is produced by the Disability Law Center of Virginia, the Commonwealth's Protection and Advocacy Agency for Disability Rights. Find out more at dlcv.org. How are you doing today? I am like a sponge today, Ren. I am ready to absorb information. Well, there's going to be a lot of it. Yes. Because, again, we have our lovely (laughs) Rhonda Thyssen, who will be talking to us about self-advocacy, which is doesn't explain what self-advocacy <laughs> is. Um, yeah, so we're going to sort of, especially while the General Assembly is still in session and there's self-advocacy days left, we wanted to um, make sure that our listeners really got a good um, primer in what are some good ideas if you're going to go to those self-advocacy days and just, you know. Ways to get involved. But before we jump into that, Let's check out Disability in the News. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Community Living, or ACL for short, is incentivizing companies to hire and incorporate people with disabilities into their workplaces. Research has shown that companies who employ people with disabilities report higher revenues, bigger profit margins, better morale, and greater retention rates. Many companies report not knowing how to incorporate people with disabilities into their workplaces, which is why the ACL is hosting a competition. They're offering companies up to $100,000 to commit to including employees with disabilities in their workforce, to redefine workforce development, and to break down employment barriers people with disabilities face. Businesses have until February 14th, 2020 to submit proposals for the competition, and the winners will receive $380,000 over the course of three phases in the coming year. All right, so now we are ready to dive into today's topic. Hello, Rhonda. How are you doing today? Hello, I'm good. How are you? Thank you for coming back. I'm super excited to be here. (laughs) We're glad that we didn't scare you away. Um, so today, you know, we, well, previously we've talked to you about um, the budget as part of the General Assembly mm-hmm. and why that's important. And now we're going to talk about how people can get involved yeah. and so, advocate. Sort of, we're looking to put the tools in the toolkit now that we know what needs to be hammered on. If I can use a really clunky analogy. That is a perfect example, or I guess it's an analogy, or a metaphor, whatever they call it. It's good, though. So uh, just to give us the basics, what does it mean to be a self-advocate? So being a self-advocate can mean a couple of different things. It could be that you are advocating for yourself with people that are working for you or on your behalf. So for example... You might want to advocate with your doctor for a certain type Mm -hmm. of treatment that you might want to try. That's a self-advocacy action, right? But self-advocacy also can be done at a a kind of a greater community level 
with people that are in power in Richmond that are making the laws and deciding how we spend our public money in Virginia for people that need services and supports for disabilities. So it could be advocating at the individual level or it could be advocating at what we call the macro level. So a higher level that impacts lots of people, not just one individual person. I imagine that can be um, pretty intimidating. You know, when you when you want to get involved and you have, you know, things that are important to you and you want to start, it can probably seem daunting to to get involved at with legislators and with the law and things like that. Um, but what if? How do you start in terms of what issues you'd like to get involved in? Imagine, you know, you're a person who's in general want to support people with disabilities or you have a disability but you're not really sure what's going on or you need to educate yourself about what's going on. Um, How do you learn about that? So a really great way to learn about it is to talk to people that work on the issues that are important to you. So for example, uh, you could reach out to one of our state advocacy organizations. So for example, if you're a person that you have a family member with an intellectual or developmental disability, The ARC of Virginia is the state advocacy organization for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Just like the ARC is for people with IDDD, NAMI Virginia, for example, is the organization that advocates on behalf of people with mental illness. Mm -hmm. So organizations like NAMI Virginia, the ARC of Virginia, you know, VOCAL, which is the Virginia Organization of Consumers Asserting Leadership, they, their job, part of their job, is to know what's going on and to know what is happening at the state level and to know what people should be advocating for. So for example, um, if you are a, I'm thinking of an example. So I think the last time that we talked, we talked about, what was the example? Permanent supportive housing. Yes, thank you. <laughs> we talked about permanent supportive housing for adults with serious mental illness. So let's say that you are a brother or a sister of a person with serious mental illness who needs housing. And you know that permanent supportive housing is a good model and you want to advocate that the state expand permanent supportive housing. So you could go to an organization like NAMI Virginia or to the Virginia Housing Alliance, which is another housing advocacy organization, and say to them, so I've got a brother or a sister or a mother or a father or whoever it is. Or you. Or me as an individual, that's right. You as an individual with a a mental health challenge that you want to get involved advocating so that we have better housing for people with mental illness. Those organizations can tell you, okay, so here's what's going on at the General Assembly level or in the state government, and this is what we think we should advocate for. Mm -hmm. So for example, NAMI Virginia is a strong advocate for permanent supportive housing. They could tell you, they can give you examples of things that you could say, they could tell you who you can talk to, which legislators might be um, important Mm -hmm. for you to reach out to. You could always reach out to your own legislator, so all of us have a General Assembly Two General Assembly members, um, we have a, a House delegate, which is a member of the House of Delegates, and we have a state senator, which is our representative in the state Senate. Yeah. And we can always reach out to them as well. I would imagine that, you know, if you're somebody with a disability, you obviously know the issues that are important to you better than anyone, but reaching out to another self-advocacy organization that works in that arena of disability, you know, that would be a really good way to get 
you know, the sound bites and the jargon that are going to resonate with people in the legislature that, you know, kind of need to hear certain things in a certain way for it to make sense. Exactly. That's right. I mean, and, and one of the other benefits of reaching out to an organization is that there's strength in numbers. So when we have a thousand people that are all saying the same thing, it has a huge impact as compared to the impact that maybe one or two people yeah. can make. Yeah. And also, if you've never done that before, if you've never talked to an elected uh, leader before, going with somebody who's done that before or somebody who has never done it before but would just feel more comfortable doing it with somebody else, mm-hmm. it's always helpful to have you know strength in numbers because you can support each other. And it sounds like, again, it sounds like going to these kinds of organizations is a great way to also get informed about what's going on in terms of the actual legislation, like what the lawmakers are writing down. Um, because I think that would be critical, obviously, mm-hmm. to know what to advocate for, is knowing what the actual laws are that they're discussing. That's right. And that's one of the really important services that these organizations offer, is that they interpret those bills, for example. Like, it's hard for the average person who doesn't have any who's not a lawyer, for example, (laughs) to read a bill and understand exactly what it is. So what does this actually mean? Because I swear I think lawyers are trained to write so people can't understand. They are. They They specifically (laughs) are. And and so, uh, you know, an organization like the ARC, for example, they will be following bills in the General Assembly that will have any impact on people with intellectual or developmental disabilities. And they could say, well, okay, I can tell you what this bill means. This bill means that you know, there will be more services for young people with intellectual and developmental disabilities who are in crisis. You may not necessarily understand everything that's in the bill, but they can help explain it to you. Mm -hmm. So now, so now we're at a point where we have at least, we know what we want to talk about. We're aware of what's going on, what specific laws are going to be talked about in the General Assembly. What's sort of a good way to start, I guess, your, your career? Start your career as a self-advocate. That's a great way to explain this. So so the first thing I think that's really important is for people to know who their legislators are. Who Mm -hmm. are the people that are representing you and representing all of us in Richmond and in Washington? So let's talk about Richmond because this is, you know, January the 14th and the General Assembly session started a week ago or last, a little bit less than a week ago. And so they're in Richmond for the next 60 days to argue up the budget, which we talked about in our last session, and to pass bills. And there's a lot of bill passing stuff going on right now. So number one is to know your legislator. So if you don't know who your legislator is, the Virginia General Assembly has a website which everybody refers to as Who's My Legislator? And if you Google Who's My Legislator Virginia, it will take you to the site you put in your full address and it will tell you who your state delegate is, who your state senator is, and who your congressional representatives are, which those are the people in Washington, mm-hmm. so we're not really talking about them. Yeah. And then one of the things I always recommend is that once you find out who your legislators are, that you get to know them like online, for example. So if you have internet access, they all have their own websites, they have their own Twitter feeds, they have their own Facebook pages. If you're on social media, like, you know, any of the social media, probably not Snapchat, I bet. But (laughs) Twitter, Facebook, you know, some of the common ones that old people use. um, You can follow their their accounts and get updates on what they're doing. And then you can also attend local public hearings. You can go to town hall meetings. For example, the mental health advocacy organizations do Mental Health Advocacy Day every year. 
in, at the General Assembly where they bring mental health advocates together. And most of those people are self-advocates that come to Advocacy Day. We, we don't have the pros that are, we don't have lobbyists that are coming to Advocacy mm-hmm. Day. We have people that are, every, everyday people that are affected, that, that are people with lived experience with mental health, substance use, family members of people with mental health and substance use problems. And, and so, and then of course, the number one way is to vote because that's the way that we can all participate in the public process. So the first thing to do would be, let's figure out who your legislator is so you know what they're doing in your name because that's essentially what they're, they're doing things for you and for the people that share your district. But I know that um, these, these town halls and things like that are really important because the whole idea of voting for this representative is that they're supposed to represent the community's interests Mm -hmm. and this is a really good opportunity for people in the community to actually say what their interests are Mm -hmm. um in a in a way that that can be heard because uh i think that lack of connection can really um what's the word i'm looking for uh discourage people from reaching out yes, and, and talking yeah. about what's important to yeah, them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and and so there's one really important point here, and that is that just because the General Assembly session is going on right now, doesn't mean people can't reach out to their legislators all year round. Um, Virginia has a part-time legislature, which means they only meet, they don't meet year round. However, our delegates and state senators work year round though. The ways to contact your legislators, there's a bunch of different ways that you can do that. Mm-hmm. Number, easiest one is make a phone call, send them an email or send them a letter. Or tweet at them. Or tweet at them, mm-hmm. right? Facebook message, my dad is famous for sending Facebook messages to his local um, uh, congressional representative <laughs> and, and he loves to do that. Um, one of the things that they really love is they love in-person meetings. because And, and for advocates, and especially self-advocates, that's a really important way to yeah. make connections with legislators because it's easier to see somebody as a person when they're actually sitting in front of you than when you're sending an email or they get a letter from you. I mean, these are all important ways, but meeting people face to face is often more effective because then they put a face with the name. It is true that phone calls um, can be even more effective, particularly when they're meeting in session and are so busy. Yes, yeah. yeah. So every legislator in, in Richmond has two different phone numbers. They have their regular office phone number, which is in their district. So if you live in Albemarle County, and that's area served by Senator Cree Deeds, he's got a local office, but he also has an office in the Capitol. So he has a phone number in Charlottesville, and he has a phone number in Richmond. Now, the phone number in Richmond is only used during the General Assembly session, but you can always call the number in Charlottesville because that's where his main office is. So, you know, meeting them in person, um, people can also, you know, attend committee meetings at the General Assembly. All of those meetings are open to the public. You can speak to legislators. You can speak to committees. There's a lot of different ways to get involved. I mean, other ways that people don't really think about are like writing a letter to the editor of your local newspaper. You mm-hmm. know, talk about, and that goes out to many more people than just the the people that your legislator serves. So it's another way to to make a connection like that too. With that in mind you know, other than reaching out to your local legislators, how can someone in the community advocate their position? So the best advice that I can give to people about about working with their legislators is to tell your story. 
Um, legislators want to know what's happening with their people, with their, they're called constituents. They're the Mm -hmm. people that they serve. And so telling our stories is a really effective way to advocate because it brings home to the legislator, to your senator, your state senator, your delegate. You know, a lot of times, you know, they're in Richmond, they're dealing with, you know, these issues at the state level, but self-advocates are dealing with these issues in a very personal way. They're personally affected. They're personally affected by mental health challenges or by intellectual disabilities or by, you know, some kind of physical or other non-visible disability. And so telling your legislator your story helps them to understand why what they're dealing with at the state level is so important because it affects individual people. And so there are some guidelines, some ways to do this that are are more effective. When you interface with, or when you talk to a legislator, um, the first thing to say is have a point. They don't have time to just have a chat. You know, it's nice to be able to just have a chat, but with 80,000 or 200,000 people, they don't have time to just chat. Like it'd be great to say, Mm -hmm. hey, let's go have coffee. Senator Deeds, but Senator Deeds probably has 500,000 people that ask him to go have coffee with them. So that, it doesn't always work. That would right? be way too much coffee. Exactly. That's a lot even of for me, yeah. even for me, that would be a lot of coffee. So have a point and keep it short. You know, so when you're talking to a legislator one on one, so let's say that um, you are a um, mental health advocate and you're interested in permanent supportive housing, because we've talked about that already a lot, and you want to let your senator know that you believe that your senator, he or she, should vote to um, increase the state budget for permanent supportive housing. So you, you've made an appointment, you go into their office, you know, hello, Senator Doe, whichever senator is your senator. You know, I um, really believe that the state needs more permanent supportive housing for people with serious mental illness. So that's your message. Your message is what you want them to know. We need more permanent supportive housing. So then the next step is to connect your story to your message. So, you know, my brother has serious mental illness and he has been homeless off and on for the last 10 years because he can't find supportive housing in the community where we live. So that's your story. So your message is more permanent supportive housing. Your story is, my brother or I, so maybe you're a person that's had you know, experienced homelessness, I can't stay housed because there isn't enough permanent supportive housing where I live in Danville, for example, let's just mm-hmm. say. Um, so your message is more permanent supportive housing. Your story is, this affects me personally for whatever reason it affects you. And then the third thing is, what is your request? Senator, I really hope that you will support the governor's budget proposal for $3 million in state funding for permanent supportive mm-hmm. housing. Because if we can get this money, 500 additional people with serious mental illness could get housing. Well, and of course, like, it's great if you're able to be that specific with yes. what you want done. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think that it would also be nearly as effective to just say, you know, and what I want from this is for you to support more permanent Permit, that's right. housing. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you don't have to know everything. You don't have no. to be no, you don't. an expert mm-hmm. in what's, like, in front of the governor or in front of the legislature. Right. I mean, speak your truth. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. And so there. So, a couple of things about that. One is that if you're talking with your legislator and it's during the General Assembly session, mm-hmm. like right now, and you're going and you're meeting with them at the Capitol, for example, 
this time of the year, it's it's really a good idea to be specific yeah. because they're dealing with bills, they're dealing with budgets. But let's say that it's September and you want to talk to your legislator about, you know, we need more services for, you know, young kids that have special education needs, right? So you can still use the same, what's the problem? What's your story and how does it connect? And here's what I would like for you to do. Those are the three messages. That's your elevator speech, right? And it's easy, it's much more effective to be less specific when it's not during the general mm-hmm. assembly session because yeah. during the session, they've got things they're trying to accomplish and they're dealing with specifics, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and so when, so I always like try to give self-advocates some do's and don'ts for how to communicate with, with policymakers, right? And so policymakers could be elected officials, they could be state agency representatives. And so there are some, there are things to do and there are things that are, that are not so good to do. So the things to do, you want to be positive, be friendly, again, be brief and have a story. So again, it's like it's not like you're having coffee with your bestie. You, they've got time limitations and they yeah. need to, to get on to the next thing, right? Um, it's, it's often a good idea to use fact sheets. So and those advocacy organizations we talked about, like NAMI and Vocal and the ARC yeah. and that, they always have fact sheets. Like DLCV mm-hmm. has a ton of fact sheets that people can access on our website. Same thing with the other advocacy organizations. That gives them something that you can hand them that's a tangible thing that you leave behind that they can look at later. Um, we also want to make sure that we're giving correct information to legislators yeah. and to policymakers. So if they ask you a question and you don't know the answer, it's totally fine to say, you know, I'm not really sure, but let me find out and I'll get back to you. Yeah. Because the last thing you want to do is give inaccurate information because that damages your credibility as an advocate. Yeah. And with as an advocate, all you really have is your credibility, right? So you want to make sure that you're telling them things that you know are true. It also, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, it also makes me think about, like, I know that sometimes in those committee sessions, the legislators specifically talk about some of the stories their constituents have do. brought to yes. them. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that the story you tell is accurate and yes. because they're going to bring it in front of other members. That's right. And That's right. the last thing they want to be told is actually, yeah, it wasn't you're quite wrong. true. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought up the that telling that story because one place that people can tell their stories that a lot of people are, are nervous about telling their story is actually at the General Assembly in a committee meeting. Every bill gets debated by the committee that where the, you know, all bills are referred to a committee. And you, members of the public, have the right to speak on bills. So if you go to a committee hearing and there's a bill that you're very strongly supporting or you're strongly opposed to, you as a member of the public have the right to make your comments to the committee that's considering that bill. And that's where a lot of people tell their stories. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you also want to be clear about your position. So I support additional permanent supportive housing because it's a good thing. Or I oppose um, cutting the state budget for Medicaid because it will impact low-income people that need health care, right? Um, and then you also always want to thank them for their time. Like, thank you so much for your time, you know, because, again, they're really busy. They have a lot of people that, you know. And then you could also, when you get home, send an email or a letter thanking them for their time and saying, you know, thank you for your time in meeting. These are the points that we discussed, you know, whatever, if you're inclined to do that. Now, on the flip side, what not to do. So legislators are used to dealing with angry people, right? But we don't want to go in and be angry. Yeah, right? we want I to imagine be, that. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, do, we don't want to be, you know, want to confront people. We want to, don't want to yell. We don't want to threaten. 
We don't want to say, this is a waste of my time, you know, because anytime you go with a legislator is never really a waste because if you, you're, you're raising their understanding about the issues that are affecting you as an individual, right? I think passion, not anger. Yes, that's a perfect way to phrase that. Passion, not anger. And I struggle with that myself sometimes. <laughs> um, and the other thing is, like I said, have a point. So don't get off the subject. Don't ramble. Make your point and then leave because you want them to think about what you said. And then one of the things that's really important is that all legislators have what are called legislative aides. And these are the people that work in their office. And don't blow off a legislative aide. If you, if, if you reach out to your senator or your delegate and you want to meet with them, but you, you, the message you get is, well, they don't really have time to meet with you, but their legislative aide can meet with you. That is almost as good as meeting with a legislator because that, those people have their ear. Mm-hmm. So that's something to think about. Um, and then the last thing is that when you're at the Capitol, let's say you come to Advocacy Day and you're going around and you're meeting with people, when you get in the elevator, don't talk about how horrible they are. <laughs> the worst thing you can do is be in an elevator and the General Assembly building and say how much you can't stand Senator so-and-so, and then Senator so-and-so's aide is standing right behind you. You just ruined mm. your message as a Or other senators or, or the people uh, who Exactly, there. right. I mean, right. Exactly. It's important they all to gossip, understand, I'm sure. Important to understand how we are advocating with people and for ourselves because the message is... You know, that's the last thing that they may hear from you or about the issue that you're talking about. And that's a bad taste to leave in somebody's mouth. So, you know, what you can do is complain about it when you leave, but not when you're still in the building is a really good thing. Well, thank you, Rhonda, again, for coming and chatting with us about self-advocacy. I think we are super prepared to get (laughs) involved in our communities. Um, Excellent. One of the things uh, you mentioned, again, is these mental health and DD advocacy days. Uh, there are too numerous to list all in a row. So uh, NAMI Virginia is going to post the mental health days on their website if you're interested in getting involved. And the ARC of Virginia has the DD Advocacy Days. So uh, those are great ways to get started as self-advocates. And another organization we didn't talk about, which I should have mentioned before, is Voices for Virginia's Children, which is mm-hmm. the state's uh, child advocacy organization. And they do some advocacy days there's one on trauma-informed care there's you know so so check them out too if you have kids that you're interested in advocating for yeah we also wanted to let our listeners know that dlcb will be posting um sort of a legislative update on our website um i think daily i'm looking around the tables the people are nodding yes daily um we will be doing that um so that is how we will be keeping you informed about what's going on at the capitol Again, thank you so much, Rhonda. Oh, you're welcome. And now a DLCB highlight. For the first time in many years, we have monitoring visits scheduled at selected local and regional jails. We are going to monitor conditions, access to mental health services, and access to assistive technology. We will inform inmates with disabilities of their rights and grievance procedures to address concerns. We intend to work with the ADA coordinator and superintendent to address any trends or concerns that we identify. We are hopeful that the collaboration with jails will improve services to inmates with disabilities. Well, we want to once again thank the lovely Rhonda for coming and educating us about how we can get more active in our communities. Yeah, I feel more prepared to like go in front of my representatives and argue for the things that I find to be important because it's important to do mm-hmm. that. We need voices that aren't just like... Three. Wonky, 
Just three voices. Just three voices. <laughs> but no, in the state we need voices that aren't coming from politicians, that are coming from like the people who are going to actually be impacted by stuff. So this is really important stuff. We're so excited that Rhonda was able to come and school us on it. And thank you all for listening to this episode of Rights Here, Rights Now, brought to you by the Disability Law Center of Virginia. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. If you need assistance or want more information about DLCV and what we do, visit us online at dlcv.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at DisabilityLawVA and share us with your friends. Until next time, I'm Virginia Ferris. And I'm Ren Fazuski. And this has been Rights Here, Rights Now. Now.